Anyway, uh, we're going to start just with uh, verses 12, 13, and 14, and then we'll, we'll kind of read down through the rest of these verses as we go through the message tonight. But Genesis 37, uh, verses 12, 13, and 14 says, And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, Here am I. And he said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And let's just have one more quick word of prayer right before we get into the actual message tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Joseph, and thank you for this part of his life. Uh, I know that this wasn't a pleasant part of his life, but Lord, you used this just the same. And uh, Lord, I pray we would learn lessons from this uh, passage tonight, and uh, may you speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, unfortunately, uh, and most of us know this, but betrayal is a sad fact of life. Um, it has been around since all the way back since Lucifer betrayed the Lord in heaven and sought to be like the Most High. When he said, uh, I will have my throne above him and I will be like the Most High. When he said that and, and the Lord kicked him out of heaven, that was the first act of betrayal. And betrayal has been around really since then. Um, after he was... Uh, kicked out of heaven, one-third of all the angels betrayed the Lord, and they followed Satan. Uh, since then, betrayal has shown up in many ways, some big and some small, throughout history. Uh, a couple examples that stick out that are kind of big in people's minds when it comes to betrayal in history um, was when Ju Julius Caesar was betrayed. Um, and he was also, not only was he betrayed, but he was betrayed by a very, very close friend. Um, if you remember, the conspirators who assassinated the Roman leader on March 15th, the Ides of March, in 44 BC, was Marcus Junius Brutus. Caesar not only trusted Brutus, but he had favored him as his son. Well, according to Roman historians, Caesar first resisted the onslaught of the assassins, but when he saw Brutus among them with his dagger drawn, Caesar ceased to struggle and pulling the top part of his robe over his face, asked the famous question, "You too, Brute? I don't know if I'm saying that 100% right, but basically he was saying, you too, Brutus. You are my trusted friend. You were like a son to me, and now you have a dagger drawn against me as well. He felt tremendously betrayed. Well, then there's William Tyndale, who first translated the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into English, making a Bible for the common people. Well, in 1535, he was betrayed by a friend, a trusted friend. And after that, he was taken prisoner to the castle of Ilford and continued to work on his translation. He was unable to finish his work because he was sentenced to die a heretic's death. And he was, um, and on October 6th, 1536, he cried out in his last words, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And then he died. His prayer, though, was answered within a year. But he was betrayed by a friend, a trusted friend. And then in American history, when you think of the word betrayal, there's one person's 
name that comes to mind, Benedict Arnold. Um, he was, even though he, when you think of him, you think of betrayal and treason, uh, he was actually a tremendously gifted and, and uh, a gifted man and a great soldier. Um, I won't go through the whole story tonight because I want to get to the life of Joseph, but Benedict Arnold uh, was a tremendous example of betrayal. Now, I would imagine that all of us tonight have felt betrayal to some, at some point or another in our lives. Uh, the person you feel that betrayed you may or may not have done it on purpose, but the effect is, is the same. Now, tonight I want you to understand for those who have been betrayed or have felt betrayed, understand that you are in good company. Because Joseph here in the passage that we're going to be going through tonight uh, definitely understood what it was like to be betrayed. But you know, there was someone else who knew what it was like to be betrayed. His name was Jesus. You see, in fact, no one was betrayed quite like the Lord Jesus. The Bible says in John 1 and verse number 11, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. His own actually betrayed Him. Uh, he was betrayed then by Judas Iscariot. Of course, he was a, a biblical example of someone who betrayed someone. Uh, he betrayed the Lord Jesus with the, the kiss of betrayal there in the Garden of Gethsemane, even after Jesus called him friend. He was, Jesus was betrayed by his own disciples when most of them just scattered after Jesus was arrested there in that garden. And so he was betrayed by his own disciples. Now, before you go and pick up a stone to throw at those disciples for their betrayal, I want to remind us all tonight that every time that we, you and I, yield to temptation in our lives and commit sin, we are in truth committing an act of betrayal against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We become spiritual Benedict Arnolds. We become spiritual Brutuses when we commit sin. We betray the Lord and uh, we betray our loyalty to him. All of us, as, our, as the song says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So think about that the next time you're tempted to sin. And for those of you who maybe you can look back in your life and say, oh, I was betrayed by that friend. Every time that you and I sin against the Lord, we're betraying him. And so betrayal is a sad fact of life. Uh, I don't I don't like this fact of life, but it is there. Now tonight we're going to take a brief look at the betrayal that Joseph experienced by his brothers. And so tonight I'm going to use just a simple, uh, quick three-point outline to help us through this. Uh, first of all, we're going to notice tonight that he was sent to his brethren. He was sent to his brothers in uh, verse number 12. So at some point after Joseph revealed all of his dreams... Uh, Jacob, Israel, uh, sent uh, the other 11 brothers or the other brothers over to uh, Shechem to go care for uh, Israel's flocks. And so verse number 12, his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem and Israel said to Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I, I will send thee uh, unto them. And he said unto him, here am I. So Jacob first sent, sent Joseph's brother to Shechem to feed his flocks there. And they were away for some time, and Jacob grew anxious about his wayward boys. Uh, remember, uh, back in 
the beginning of this chapter, it was Joseph who brought evil report against the brothers uh, at the beginning of the chapter. So Israel knew that his other brothers weren't always do-gooders. Uh, many times they were up to no good. And so they were taking a while there as they were in Shechem, and he was like, you know what, I'm, we better go check on them. And, and this, you know, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Um, sometimes we send our kids somewhere, and it's like, man, they're taking a long time. We, and so we send another kid to go find out what's going on with them. And so that's what was happening here with Isaac, uh, Jacob, not Isaac, Israel or Jacob, when uh, he sent his sons to the flock, it was taking too long. And uh, so he had to go send uh, Joseph to go check on him. And so he sent, uh, he, sent, he sent Joseph to go check on him in verse number 13. Um, and it, this, is, this is just a neat part of the story here when uh, Joseph once again is showing how faithful he is, how obedient he is. Uh, the children's video, the theme of the video today was on obedience. And we see an obedient Joseph, um, despite all of the potential danger here, he was willing to obey his dad. And uh, just another reminder to the children, but not just to the children, but to us adults, to be obedient in the big things, the little things, regardless of how how it may affect us. Um, so it is interesting to see that as Israel calls Joseph in verse 13, at the end of the verse, it says, here am I. Joseph just saying, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do what you want, Dad. I'm willing to be obedient. I'm willing to be faithful. I hope that that is a characteristic that you have as well. Um, so we see here his... Uh, Joseph's faithfulness and obedience displayed. And uh, in spite of, by the way, how much his brothers hated him, uh, I, I'm sure that Joseph had a real understanding that, hey, if I go to my brothers, they're not going to be like, hey, Joseph, what's up, man? How's it going? We've missed you. No, no, they didn't like Joseph. And he knew that. He was a smart guy. We see that later on in his life. I mean, he wouldn't have been in the places he was and the positions he was if he didn't have any brains. So Joseph knew that his brothers weren't his biggest fans, but he was willing to be obedient even when it was difficult. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a great thought for us. Notice here that the father sent his son to help his lost brothers. Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar? Uh, a picture of Jesus Christ, no doubt. God looked down and saw us as lost in our sin and and uh, and so he then sent his only begotten son to us for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost so uh, this is another picture again of as, as we've mentioned at the beginning here of the series that Joseph is a tremendous picture of Christ and uh, and certainly in this aspect as the father sends Joseph his son to find his lost brothers, uh, that's a great picture of the fact that God sent his only son to go find those of us who were lost. And I'm glad that he did. I'm glad that Jesus was willing to be obedient in that regard. So on went Joseph to go find his brothers. Let's pick it up here in verse number 14. Here's the actual instruction. 
that uh, Jacob gives to Joseph. He said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, well with the flocks. Bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So on he went. And by the way, so he was in Hebron at the time with Jacob, but then he sends him to Shechem. Now Shechem was 60 miles away from Hebron. Now it's not like he goes and gets in his you know, motorcycle and goes and takes off 60 miles down the road, gets there in about an hour or so. No, that wasn't how it was. It took a long time to get to Shechem. He was willing to go and be obedient even when it wasn't easy. And uh, he went and fulfilled the will of his father. So he goes 60 miles to Shechem. Well, once he gets there, he expects to find his brother. He expects to go and find his brothers there. And he's going to go and say, hey, how are you guys doing? I need to go tell dad how you guys are all doing. Well, he gets to Shechem. Does he find his brothers? No, he does not. In verse number uh, 15, and he found a certain man, or a certain man found him, Joseph, kind of wandering around here. He was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, well, what, what, what are you seeking? What seekest thou? And he said, well, I'm, I'm looking for my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. I, I imagine you've seen them. Can you tell me where they're at? Well, the man says in verse number 17, Well, they are departed hence, for I heard them saying, Let us go to Dothan. So he he's expecting to find his brethren in Shechem. But once again, they were disobedient to the beginning of the chapter, but here again we find them living in disobedience again. They were supposed to be in Shechem, but here they're not. They went 12 miles away to another place called Dothan. And uh, I don't know exactly all the reasons why they went to Dothan, but they weren't where they were supposed to be. And uh, they were living in disobedience contrary to the life of Joseph. Joseph was a picture of obedience. His brothers were pictures of disobedience. And so uh, he gets all the way to, finally goes to Dothan. And, uh, and, and there, uh, verse number 18, or I'm sorry, the end of verse 17, Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. So he goes and he's sent to his brethren, but then number two tonight, let's notice the fact that he was seen by his brethren. So he gets to Dothan, but before he sees his brethren, his brethren see him. Verse number 18, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. So when they saw him afar off, they weren't like, oh, cool, it's Joseph. Hey, what's going on, man? They weren't pleased to see Joseph. In fact, they're probably like, oh, great, he's coming to check on us so he can go rat on us again. Or he's going to maybe tell us another one of his wonderful dreams. I'm so sick of this guy. So finally, Joseph comes to Dothan, and when his brothers see him coming from a distance, they decided to kill him. Verse number 18 says, they conspired against him to slay him. So the first thing that came into their mind as soon as they saw Joseph come over the ridge or come onto the scene, they were like, we've got to end this guy. Um, And then the Bible says in verse number 19, they also began to mock him. Uh, Verse number 19, they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. This wasn't a compliment. Uh, They were like totally making fun of him. They were totally mocking him. And uh, and so this is, and think about it. His brothers were already jealous of Joseph. 
because dad loved him more than everybody else and he had his special coat on when he was on his way. Um, his brothers were mad at him probably still for ratting on him earlier in the chapter and they're just annoyed with this guy and they're thinking uh, this this guy's going to come and rat us out again we're not going to stand for it we're not going to go on that so uh, instead of letting him go back home to tattle they decided they had it up to here with their annoying little brother and uh, they wanted to end this dreamer and end these dreams once and for all and put an end to this guy and get him to shut up it's what they wanted to do and plus this was kind of the perfect opportunity because you know dad is 72 miles away uh, we're kind of in the clear here let's let's do this once and for all and we'll make up some story about it so verse number 20 Here's what they say, uh, verse number 20. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, cast him into some pit, and we will say, uh, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Like, we've got a plan, and let's, get, let's put an end to these dumb dreams that he keeps telling us about. I am sick and tired of them. Well, then Reuben steps in, in verse number 21. Reuben heard it. Uh, he's the oldest of the brethren. He's the one that would have to give the report to dad. He's the one that would have to lie. He's the one that would have to be privy to all this. So Reuben heard it and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. He said, let's not kill him. Let's just find a pit to put him in and then, you know, uh, give him some time to escape. And then, you know, that way we're not, we're not shedding blood. All right. Uh, as I was studying this, one commentator compared him to, uh, compared him to Pilate. Uh, Reuben uh, was just like Pilate in that Pilate knew that Jesus was innocent and didn't want to kill Jesus, didn't want to crucify him. But nevertheless, to appease the crowd, uh, he said, well, at least I'm not the one that's guilty in this. Uh, Reuben was part of it, and he was just as guilty as the others. Well, then verse number uh, 23, it says, And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren. So he actually makes his way and and now he sees his brethren and gets close enough to talk to him. I imagine he was like, Shalom, brethren. How are you doing? Dad wanted to check on you and see how you're doing. He's, he, he's worried about you all. It says, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, they stripped Joseph out of his coat. They began to maul him. They began to uh, beat him up. Uh, they stripped coat, Joseph out of his coat. Uh, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they began to set, they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of the Ishmaelites came from Gildad, uh, Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to Egypt. And so that's the end of that point there. Uh, he was seen by his brethren, and then, can you guess what the third point what is? He was sold by his brothers. He was sold by his brothers. And so, as 
these brothers see this you know caravan coming through this little um, you know this truck with all these goods on it come by they went you know what uh, maybe this is an opportunity here and so Judah verse 26 Judah said unto his brethren hey what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood come let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother in our flesh and his brethren were content they said hey that's a good idea we'll uh, kill two birds with one stone here we'll sell him and get rid of this Joseph get him out of our sight then we'll also make a little extra cash while we're at it. And so that's what he did. Uh, then verse 28, Then there passed by the Midianites, merchant men. They drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, there were only 11 brothers total at this point. There were Joseph and the 10 others. And uh, Benjamin isn't on the scene yet. Well, uh, so 20 pieces of silver divided by 10. So each person gets two, sil two pieces of silver. That's it. Uh, so they, they gained that, but then they, the amount of guilt that these guys had, and we see that later on in the life of Joseph, later on in this, uh, in this story here. Well, then Reuben returned. For one reason or another, Reuben wasn't there during this whole uh, deal-making as this was going on. So Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. He returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And so they took Joseph's coat, killed the kid of the goats, dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. So they made up this whole false story. And by the way, this is a very ironic part of the uh, part of this story here, because it was just ten chapters before when Jacob deceived his own father Isaac with a kid, a goat. Um, and now he's being deceived by a goat, uh, by this part of the story. Pretty amazing. It goes to show that, hey, what you, uh, what you sow, you will reap. And uh, what goes around comes around, and you get what you grow. So uh, that's what was happening here in the life of Joseph. His dad was being deceived by the same means he deceived his dad, uh, ten chapters before in Genesis chapter 27. Well, uh, verse number, let's see, verse number 33 here we're at. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him, and Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. So his favorite son is now gone, at least in the mind of Jacob. At least in his mind, he's gone. So verse 34, Jacob rent his clothes put sackcloth upon his loins, mourned for his son many days, and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And then the Midians, verse, verse 36, the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. And so here, uh, 
God used this situation to get Joseph to Egypt. Now, we know the end of this whole story, how Joseph was very much in charge of Egypt. I mean, Pharaoh was the guy, but then Joseph right underneath him. Well, God had to get Joseph to Egypt, and this is how he did it. And so, even though things look like, hey, what's happening with Joseph's dreams? Oh, God is completely in control, even though it looked like he was out of control. Even though it looked like, what's happening? This isn't part of the plan. Oh, it was very much part of the plan. You see, God was, has always been and always will be sovereign. And we see his sovereignty on display. And by the way, his sovereignty is ever and always on display. We just don't always recognize it as his sovereignty. But in this situation, we definitely see it, especially hindsight is 2020 here. And uh, since we know the end, we can look back and say, God used this very situation to get Joseph. Basically, he had free transportation all the way to Egypt uh, through these Midianites that his brothers sold him to. Uh, so the Bible says in Psalm 115 and verse number three, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. And uh, his ways are not our ways. We. I'm sure Joseph wouldn't have chosen this particular way for his dreams to come to pass. He wouldn't have chosen to be betrayed by his brothers. He wouldn't have chosen to be sold into slavery or uh, any of that. But uh, the Lord was in control of all of it, and he was showing his sovereignty. So Joseph was betrayed. He was almost killed and then sold into slavery. So much for his dreams, eh? Well, actually, God's plan was still unfolding. In reality, this was part of the plan. His dreams still came to fruition, but the way they became a reality was, I'm sure, different than the way that Joseph had in mind. Now, many times God will bring us through these difficult times of trial to mold us and to shape us as part of his plan. Uh, remember, this, is, this series is called The Romans 828 Man. Uh, we know that all things work together for good. Even the things that are less than ideal, even things that are challenging and trials and uh, suffering, God is able to use those things to accomplish good. But Romans 8.29, so that's Romans 8.28, Romans 8.29 tells us, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So many times God will use difficult things to form us, to mold us, into the image of his son. And a lot of times it's not blessings that he uses to mold us. Uh, usually he uses trials and suffering to mold us and to conform us. And so when things look like they're out of control, they're really not. God is completely in control. And, even, and, I, and I don't know exactly what Joseph was thinking as he went through all this, but um, at the end, he knew that God was working, and he knew that God used even that to bring uh, much good to pass. Um, so as you go through difficult times, as you experience perhaps even betrayal, know that God is still on the throne. He is still sovereign. He is still working things out for good, and uh, he is your, the, the dreams and his plans are still coming to pass, and many times he'll use difficult things to cause those things to come to pass, even if it's not what we would have chosen. 
And so uh, a lot of lessons to learn from this portion of the life of Joseph. Um, he was betrayed, and uh, betrayal is an unfortunate part of life. It is a sad fact. And yet, I want us to think about the fact that every time you and I uh, choose to yield to sin, that's an act of betrayal against our, our Lord. And I want us to remember that and to keep that in mind as we are faced with those times of temptation. To not betray our Lord, but to show Him our love, our allegiance, our loyalty. And I'm thankful that He was faithful and He never betrayed His Heavenly Father. And uh, He was completely obedient at all times. Well, I hope that those uh, lessons and thoughts were an encouragement and a help. Let's have a word of prayer. And